It's time for CBJ in 30, presented by Telhio Credit Union. Find us on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play Music, YouTube, and TuneIn. The easiest thing to do is tell Alexa or Siri to play CBJ in 30. Here's your host, Bob McGilligan. Welcome to another Monday Mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Telhio Credit Union. The Blue Jackets lost a game on Saturday night to the Nashville Predators. Four to two was the final score. Lots of questions coming from that game. What happened to the Blue Jackets? Why do they have trouble starting a period? They gave up two quick goals in the third period. So that's some of the things we'll talk about in today's show. Also, they lost more than a game. They lost goaltender Elvis Merzlikens. Merzlikens was injured in that game, and now it has been reported by the team that he is on. He is out, and he is on a week-to-week basis as to when he will return. So we'll talk about that as well. But first, I want to talk to you about Telhio Credit Union. You know, Telhio, all the way back in 1934, they started to put people above profits. That's what was most important to them to treat their people right. And they still continue to do that today. So is Telhio a credit union for you? Is it a place to put your money? Are you going to get better service there than where you have your money now? Well, how can you find out the answer to that question? Well, the first thing you can do is go to their website at telhio.org. Start, just surf around, start to surf around, click on the different tabs, read about their services, read about the perks that they offer. And maybe you'll find out that, Why deal with a regular bank when you can deal with a credit union that will put you above everything else? Tell Ohio Credit Union, find them on the web at tellhio.org. All right, let's go back to that injury to Elvis Merzlikens. That is the, uh, the bigger story from the loss on Saturday. The loss itself is a story. Uh, the fact that the Blue Jackets split another two game series and weren't able to get the sweep. That's a story. We'll be talking about that. How much longer can they do this? win one, lose one thing. At some point, don't they have to win a couple in a row? Yeah, they do. We'll get more into that in just a bit. But the Elvis injury, uh, and I'll talk to you about this to set up the first question for the show. So Elvis, third period, uh, Nashville comes out. They, The Blue Jackets were down two to nothing early in the game. It was thanks to Elvis and the way that he was playing. He was on top of his game. He was making great saves. He was totally locked in. And he was keeping them in the fight. And in the second period, they were able to get a couple of goals. Boone Jenner scored a shorthanded goal. Boone has six now on the year, by the way. Gabriel Carlson was in for an ill David Savard. And Carlson picked up his first NHL goal. And the Blue Jackets were looking at a 2-2 tie when they came out of the dressing room for period number three. But within 45 seconds, there were two quick breakdowns. And two goals were put in the back of the net. And Nashville was back on top four to two. So again, that looked bad, but it would get worse. A few minutes later, when Elvis makes a save and he covers the puck on the ice, he takes his glove and he just trapped the puck against the ice. Now he's leaning forward as he's making this play. He's leaning forward. He's already down on his knees. He's, his weight is, is coming forward as he catches himself with his hand trapping that puck. Victor Arvidsson of the Nashville Predators uh, comes in and Arvidsson is, look, he's just trying to knock the puck out from under the glove. I get it. I understand. 
but he hits Elvis kind of up around. I thought it was around the wrist and he pushes that hand underneath Elvis. I told you he's already leaning forward. Now his arm is going underneath him. It's twisting his body and he doesn't recover from that. The athletic trainer, Mike Vogt went out to tend to him. Uh, we had the, the close up on Fox sports, Ohio and, uh, you could see that when Elvis took his left arm and he he went to move it, he, he got it to a certain point and that you could see the pain on his face. So uh, he left the game. The team said today it is going to be week to week when he will be evaluated, not day to day. So that is, that's not good news at all. It's an upper body injury. I'll tell you right now, just from what I described, the injury somewhere in here, right? I mean, it's in, it, it's, it's as that arm got pushed underneath him and he got twisted around, that's where the problem is. So uh, I'll tell you that just by watching. So he is out and Matisse Kivlenix will be uh, activated to the regular roster and will uh, be serving as one of the two goalies on Tuesday when Chicago comes to town. Now I've talked all year about this tandem of goaltenders, Corpusalo and Merzlikens, how I think that the Blue Jackets have an advantage over other teams because I feel they're one of the best tandems in the league. Uh, am I overhyping them? I don't know. I think the team in front of them has played worse than they have played, quite honestly. But it doesn't matter what I think because now they're not a tandem. Elvis suffering his second injury in a short span of time. And I feel bad for him because he had the injury when he got uh, hit in the head with a puck in practice. He misses three games. He comes back. And he was playing well. He got a shutout on Thursday. He readily admitted that he still doesn't feel like himself from last year. And he gave up too many rebounds and the team bailed him out. And But he still got a shutout. And then he was playing lights out in that game up until the third period. And then he gets hurt in kind of a, a freak play. So I feel bad for him. I really do. I feel bad for the Blue Jackets as a whole, but I feel bad for him because he's trying to get his game going. And I thought he had his game going, making his second consecutive start. And now he's got to wait for who knows how long, and then it's going to be, you know, back to the drawing board again to try to get himself going, coming off the injury. So it sucks. It's brutal. It, it's just, it's not fair, but that's the way it is. So he's hurt and he's out. So it's the old next man up. Do you feel as comfortable and as confident about a Kivlenix Corpusalo tandem? And I know Matisse won games last year and he won a Madison Square Garden and yada, yada, yada. I know. I get it. I'm just asking you if you feel as comfortable with that tandem as you did with the previous one. Ask yourself. I mean, I can't answer for you. Ask yourself. This all leads me to my first question. And uh, the questions come in one of two ways, either on Twitter at Bobby Mac Sports or via email, bobbymack at bluejackets.com, like this one did. And this is from Corey in Cincinnati. Corey says, I'm curious to hear if you thought that Victor Arvidsson should have had to answer the bell on the Elvis injury. I know the game has changed, but that jab, when it looked like the puck was covered, likely leads to a scrum even in my beer league. I know the play was still live, but I was really surprised no retaliation happened there. Well, Corey, I understand your surprise. And you answered your own question when you said the game has changed. 
I think, and this is my opinion, I haven't asked any player about this. I can't this year anyway, not as easily as I would normally, but this is what I think. And I'll tell you what I think. And there's like a 99.9% chance it's right anyway. I think at a play like that, you've got a skill player on one team. He's just trying to make a play. Does he make it after the whistle? He makes it at the whistle at the very least, right? But I, I think that players today kind of look at it and say, ah, he wasn't trying to hurt him. It's just kind of a freak thing. It just happened. I think not so long ago, somebody would have grabbed hold of him. And I'm not saying that you've got to grab him and beat him up and all that stuff. Like in, in his case, he's probably apologetic as soon as somebody grabs him. Maybe he just falls to the ice. He doesn't want to participate in what might be coming next. It's very possible as well. But but what you said about should it draw attention? Yeah, I think so. What does that make me, an old dinosaur? Because I think that you should get in the face of that player and you should have two or three guys go over there and you know at least stand up for your goalie. That was the thing. They didn't even really you know, stand up for him with that to me. So, again, I know it was – I know he wasn't trying to hurt him like that, but he got close after the whistle, and that normally is all it takes. And we saw Nashville do it in the first game of the series to Jack Roslevic. He got an extra slap in on the goalie, and the whistle had blown, and three guys took him all the way to the end boards. So what's that tell you? Like you had it done to you 48 hours before, and now – all quiet. And I know it didn't happen like there, you know, it was the, the, uh, the play did continue up the ice then because Elvis stayed down on the ice until there was a whistle. But anyway, um, yeah, I agree with you, Corey. I would, I would have liked to seen something and even, you know, did he even get hit hard with a good legal check after that? I, not that I recall. So, um, it's it, it's just about it's just about team, right? Just send, make it look good anyway. I'll just make it look good. Make it look like you're standing up for them, and and maybe that's just all the maybe that maybe what I'm giving you is my frustration of of the loss and the overall play, and not that one play. Just the overall lack of oomph for much of that game. Maybe I'm transferring it to that. I don't think so, but maybe I am. Who knows? Who knows? Maybe I am. But um, it, it, it brings up bigger questions. It really does. It, it brings up a lot of bigger questions. And um, I've got one of those questions for you right now. I've got a, a, a voice question to bring your way. So let me play that for you. Hi, Bob. Jonathan in Grove City here. I try not to be too alarmist and get worked up, um, but it seems like we're at a point where over the next week or two at most, uh, the Jackets have to get some consistency figured out or else this season's going to basically be done. Um, when you look at the hot starts of Florida, Carolina, and then Tampa Bay and Dallas are doing their thing as well. Uh, Chicago's even being reasonable at the, this point. It just seems that there's going to be too big of a hole to climb out of if you keep playing the way that you're playing. Uh, so I just wanted to kind of get your thoughts as to how many more games in your mind they have before it's just going to be too late to, to push back up to the top four. So I wanted to kind of get your thoughts on that. Uh, and second off, I wanted to get your thoughts about what to do with this glut of forwards. It seems like we have quite a few guys 
many of whom are kind of a middle to bottom six feel. Um, so at what point do you think they'll start looking to deal away some of those guys? Um, as well as uh, who would you deal maybe even? I know you're not big on speculation, but maybe this year with your uh, more opinionated show, maybe you'd be willing to delve into that a little bit as to who you might be looking to move if you uh, were Yarmo, as well as uh, you know, at what point do you start saying, okay, our young guys just need to get lots of minutes, like Foodie needs to get back up and in the lineup, even though he hasn't been good and hasn't necessarily been the best guy to be on the ice, but he is the future, so we need to start looking to that. Uh, so I just kind of want to get your thoughts on that. Uh, again, I'm not, like, panicked by any means yet, but just trying to be realistic as I watch the games and I'm looking to the future here. So thanks, Bob. Appreciate it. Well, that, that's a good way to look at it. You, you can be realistic and not be panicked right? The panicked is right down the street. Panicked is, is right there. But I, I want to I start with the second half of your question, quite honestly. Um, when you're talking about a glut of forwards and when do you start moving them out? Let me ask you this question. Who are you going to move out and get some kind of a return for? Okay. Because when you start asking this question, I want you to be realistic about it. I want you to really think about what you're asking here. Now, you can say, well, it's, I'll give you an easy one. Uh, Mikhail Gregorenko, what about moving him out? And I would come back and say to you, and what do you expect to get for Mikhail Grigorenko? You First of all, do you think anybody's going to want him? And I'm not saying that as a slap in the face to him. I'm just saying, here's a guy he was over in the KHL for years. He's coming back. He's trying to get another kick at the can here. Uh, I don't think it's gone great for him. He's got a couple of goals. I think right now he's he's gotten a great opportunity these last couple of games to skate on a line with uh, Oliver Bjorkstrand, who, by the way, is very, very quiet right now. But are you going to trade Grigorenko? What are you going to get? You're not going to get anything for him. I, I think what you end up doing is putting him back on the – taxi squad and or a healthy scratch but let's go through the lines let, let's just let let me do it this way let's go through the lines as they were at the start of saturday night's game okay line a roslovic atkinson you trading any of those guys no you're not not if you're not if you're a playoff team okay not if you're a playoff team if you're not a playoff team everything i'm about to say changes that line, you're not moving them. Uh, what do you got on the second line? Uh, you had the guys I just talked about, Grigorenko, Stenland, and Bjorkstrand. Okay, Bjorkstrand, you just signed to a new five-year deal. You're not moving him. Uh, Stenland, your center position is weak as can be right now, and he seems like he might be somewhat of an answer. So he's not going anywhere. And then you got Grigorenko. I just went through that whole thing. So the third line, what was the, the third line in that game? It was Jenner, Texier, and Felino. Now, some things you can do there, but are you ready to do those things? If you're hoping to go to the playoffs, are you going to do any of those things? And you know what I'm talking about. You know doggone well what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the fact that playoff teams that are looking for hard work and grit for the playoffs – Boone Jenner and Nick Felino fit the bill for any team that's looking for that veteran presence to give it that extra oomph 
in the playoffs. Either one of those guys. Now, Nick, is it the end of a contract? What's going to go on there? I don't know. Again, if you're a playoff team, you're not giving them up because you need them. So if you want to entertain that, then you're telling me that you're not going to the playoffs. And then the uh, fourth line, you've got Max Domi, you've got Riley Nash, and you've got Eric Robinson. Robinson's been playing well. I mean, even if you could get something for him, are you going to get something so, like, what are you going to do? Flip out a young guy and, and trade that guy out to bring in a young Liam Foodie and put him on the that line? No. Riley Nash, could he hold value for somebody? Sure. But again, the center position is, like, he is the one guy that started the year at center who's still playing center. Max Domi, he started playing center, and now he's playing on the wing. Are you going to trade him? Unlikely. You just got him. So if you're talking about getting rid of forwards in this glut of forwards, Grigorenko is the only guy, and I'm talking about the guys that started the last game, that's the only guy that that I would look at and say, well, maybe we could move this guy. But again, what's the return going to be? Or are you just going to open a spot for Liam Foodie and then just let him play? And if you're going to do that, well, are you going to find a spot for Emil Bemstrom and let him play? So, look, Foodie's in Cleveland. And one thing about being in Cleveland, he is going to play. And he's playing, I think he's playing top, I know he's playing top six. So he's going to get his minutes. And that's valuable for him. We, we all forget in this day and age how valuable that is for a player. Go there and play. Far less pressure in the American Hockey League. Not The individual pressure's there. But you can just go and play. And you can just try to get better day in, day out. It's really that simple. <laughs> it's, it's not rocket science, as they say, even though they're playing at the Rocket Mortgage Center. Um. Just go and play. Get the experience that you need as a professional. In the American Hockey League, it's still young guys, but you are going to find the veteran guys that have been around for a long time that are there to help nurture and bring along the younger players. Help them learn the things that they just don't know how to do yet on and off the ice. And without it being in the pressure cooker that is the National Hockey League, without a guy worrying that I'm going to get scratched tomorrow if I don't play well tonight, he's going to play every day in Cleveland. He's going to play every day. And he's going to get the ice time he needs. He's going to get the experience he needs. And the idea is, I know you're going to be shocked. The idea is when they come back, they're ready to play a bigger role. So many players in today's game don't go to the American Hockey League anymore, or it's a brief stop. And everybody's rushing to get their guys to the NHL. They got to they got to start now. They got to play now. They got to do it now. And sometimes that's a mistake. Personally, I think it was a mistake for Emil Bemstrom. I think he would have benefited tremendously from going to Cleveland last year and learning to play on the smaller North American rink. And and look, he really what he did last year offensively with his goals wasn't bad. But I think it could have been a lot better if he would have went there, figured out the game, 
the way it's played in North America and then came to the National Hockey League. But his contract wouldn't allow that until after a certain period of time. So, and I think that, you know, this is my opinion. I, I, and it's, it's today's game. You know, the agents want to get the guys to contracts where they can guarantee them they're going to be in the NHL. But is that always the right thing to do for a player? Is it always the right thing to do? Are you being fair? You're getting a paycheck. You're going to get your big paycheck. But how long is it going to last? Would it last longer if you went and got acclimated and then came up and were ready to go and then could stay in the lineup? I think so. But that's just what I think. But I'm telling you, I spent 10 years down there watching guys do just that. Derek McKenzie was an American Hockey League lifer. He was playing with the Chicago Wolves when I first saw him. He got signed by the Blue Jackets. He played in Syracuse for a couple of years. And, you know, and this was a guy that was playing first line in the American League, was going to play fourth line, third line at best in the NHL. But when he was here, then he brought you stability and you could count on him. You knew what he was going to do. He was going to make the, the younger guys better just with his experience. And then he stayed in the league until he got hurt. And, and now he's a coach for the Florida Panthers. Okay. Now that's not an example of a Liam Foodie. I expect that a lot more out of a Liam Foodie. No, Derek Broussard benefited from his time in Syracuse as a first round pick. And at that time, that's what happened to the first round picks. They came out of junior and they went to the American Hockey League, maybe for a brief time, maybe for a long time. It all depended. Not everybody was Sidney Crosby back then and went right to the NHL at 18 years old. But today, that happens more often than not. And again, I don't. I think in some cases, it's a disservice. It's not helpful. That's what I think. So you ask about an opinionated show, that's what I think. Now I'm going to get to the rest of to your question, the rest of your question, because some other people have some similar things uh, to ask about that. But right now, I do want to get uh, to this question from Lois, because Lois, Lois sent this way early in the week, and I should have started with it, but I got into the Elvis stuff, and then I really got sidetracked, and then I got fired up. So uh, Lois just wants to know, um, if you've asked, if you've been asked this before, I apologize, but what is the taxi squad? And we've talked about it before, but I don't know if everybody heard it. So it's okay to ask because it is new. Every team can have four to six players on a taxi squad. This is a squad that is with the NHL team, but they are not on the NHL roster. They're on this separate grouping. If you are on a two-way contract, which means that you get paid one amount of money to be in the American Hockey League and another amount of money to, be, to play in the National Hockey League. If you're on a two-way contract, you get your American Hockey League salary when you're on the taxi squad. Uh, if you have to clear waivers, if you're an older player and you have to clear waivers, Gabriel Carlson, when they took him off the main roster and put him on the taxi squad, he had to clear waivers uh, before he could go. If you're a young guy like Liam Foody on an entry-level contract, you can just go back and forth. It's not a big deal. So uh, that group of players is always around. They're always practicing with the big team or the big team. They're practicing with the team and they travel as well. Now you don't have to travel them all. Blue Jackets have been, but um, you have to travel an extra goalie just in case of any COVID protocols. 
but uh, the other skaters don't have to go on the road trips, but I would imagine most teams do it just to have them around the group all the time. And then to give yourself more flexibility on a road trip, you can't say, man, I wish I would have brought this guy because I would play him tonight. Just take him. He's there. So that, uh, that is the taxi squad. Lois, thank you for the question. Um, Jody has this one. Uh, is it still too early to be nervous about making the playoffs? And this goes back to the, to the other question I had, the first part of the other question I had. Um, well, before I answer that, here, here's another email from Ethan. It says, hey, I hope you're recovering from Saturday night's frustrating loss. Uh, my question is, is it time for concern about playoff potential? We have been fortunate enough to have played all of our games to this point, but still remain fifth in the division in terms of points. Dallas is only six points behind us and has played 12 games or has played 12 games compared to our 19. I'm not saying I'm panicking yet, but I think the team should start to be. I haven't heard many people talk about this and I was hoping to get your thoughts on the matter. Time is ticking and we need to really step it up. I think we need to be at least five or six points ahead at the end of the season going into the makeup games. Um, let me see. I think I might want to make sure I don't have one more before I go into that. Okay. Do I think it's time to panic? I think we are so close. I really do. I think we're close to that point. And to me, it's because of the way the team is playing as a whole. They just don't look like the Blue Jackets that we know and love right now. Okay? They've got to find that. Now, with that being said, this is a team that the core of it, we have seen make big runs with big winning streaks. That is not out of the question. But I, like you, would like to see that start coming sooner than later because Later is coming fast. Okay. So if you're not at the panic point, if we are not at the panic point yet, we can see it on the horizon. That's how I feel about it. I think I feel like you feel about it. You can't keep doing this dance, this one and one dance. Can't get three out of four because the other team's getting three out of four as well. Every game you play this year is a four point game. It's not like you're playing the Kings and you lost to them and ah, it's not a big deal. No, it's all a big deal. It's all a big deal. Now, in a previous question, was well, how many more games do you think they have before they're in trouble? I'm not going to put a number on it because if you go on a streak and all of a sudden you win six or seven in a row, that blows that up anyway. But it is, it's a short season. John Tortorella's reaction in his post-game press conference last night told me that, well, he doesn't tell me that panic is on the horizon, but it tells me there's a heck of a lot of concern. And if I feel there's a lot of concern there, then to me, panic's on the horizon. Okay? So I hope that clears it up for you. And you probably didn't like that answer. If you were looking for me to be the voice of reason and saying, oh, calm down. It's going to be fine. It's going to be fine. That is not me today. It's not me. I'm not saying it's not going to be fine, but I'm saying all signs point to trouble. Hence the next question from Wes Minky. Uh, what do you think the big issue with the defense is right now? Is it injuries? 
It hasn't looked like what we're used to seeing since day one. That's correct, Wes. You are absolutely correct. It hasn't looked like that. And we're still waiting for it, right? We're sitting there going, oh, it's going to come tomorrow, right? Uh, maybe the next day. So, you know, Jody Shelley has explained this, and we just went over it on the last edition of the Inside Edge. When you're talking about defense, it's not just the six guys that are playing on any given night. It's everybody. It's a team defense. And this, this team especially, that's what it's been about. Everybody. You've got to all be in. You've got to be pulling the rope in the same direction. And they're pulling the rope in 10 directions right now sometimes, it looks like. Okay? But the center position is so key because of the defensive responsibilities at center. And at the beginning of the year, it looked like that position was set. And now it's anything but. So I think you have guys that are guessing. There are guys that are learning. There are defensemen that are figuring my centerman's going to be here. Oh, wait, he's not there. And then they're overcompensating. But for the defensemen themselves, you know, um, Savard has gone through struggles. Gavrikov has gone through struggles. Wierenski has gone through struggles. He's hurt right now. Uh, Seth Jones, <clears throat> excuse me, Seth Jones in, in some games hasn't looked quite like himself, although I think Seth is still good. Even I, I think Seth is either great or pretty great or good or, or no, there's got to be something else in between there. Uh, pretty good and then good. I, I don't ever, I can't tell you ever since he arrived here, if I've ever walked away from a game and said Seth Jones was just terrible tonight or I didn't see Seth Jones at all tonight. So I, I don't think I've ever said that. So, um, you know, even the good Seth Jones is um, not as good as the great, <laughs> right? So they all have their issues. They all have their issues. Scott Harrington's a great guy, and he comes up and he, he makes big plays and he, he gets involved in scoring sometimes, and then other times he he blows the coverage to, to do something, to help somebody out or something. Like, they all have their issues, Okay. But um, it's, it's a team-wide thing. The problem with the defense is not just the defensemen. It's everybody involved. And that includes the goalie. The goalie's got to take some of the blame there, too, because, you know, they're the communicator on the back end. They're, you know, Corpusalo might tell me, well, I'm telling them. I'm telling them who's coming. I'm telling them that there's pressure. But everybody's got to, everybody's got to take a hand in it. This team is a defensive team. They win when they play good defense and when they forecheck. And that's the other point. I heard Michael Delzato say that after the game on Saturday. He said, when we forecheck, we don't have to worry about defense because we're in the other zone. We're not doing that enough. We're not doing it well enough. And he's absolutely right. So that's the other part of that. And maybe to an extent, the bigger part of that. Uh, Dustin Goza. How in the world is it possible that we can consistently be worse on the power play than five on five? Every time a power play is announced, I take it as a threat now. Can we decline penalties? Well, Dustin, it's it's actually gotten better over the course of the last couple of weeks. Now, does that mean that it's fantastic? Let's write home about it. No. But, you know, I felt like that probably three weeks ago, more so than I feel like it today. Um, but they still do have their struggles. You're right about that. They, I, I think their problem of entering the zone has been lessened. And Patrick Line has a lot to do with that. And that was 
that was questioned a couple of weeks ago when he was acquired. Is that going to help the power play? Just getting into the zone? Yes. Yeah, it is. But um, as far as finishing, again, it's been better, but I, I know it's still not – I'm not at the decline the penalty stage. I was a couple of weeks ago. I was. I made that same joke in between periods of a game. But I don't even know if I made it to anybody in particular or if I just said it to myself because I, I sit in my own booth and nobody congregates, nobody talks anymore. So maybe I just said it to myself. But I said it. I know I said it. Brian Edwards says, is this the season A, the team's typical slow start, then we see a flurry of wins to sneak into the playoffs? B, the players tuning out torts, which signals the beginning of the end for the coach? Or C, the end for this group of players and massive trades coming soon. Well, Brian, multiple choice. Only one of them I like. I only like one of your choices that you've provided. And I'm going to go with A. Typical slow start, flurry of wins, sneak into the playoffs. And I'll tell you why I'm going with that. I'm not going with that because... Um, because I feel like I've already been, uh, too negative already here. I'm just telling you the truth the whole time, but because I've seen this team do this time in and time out, I can't think that that's not going to happen. They don't have as big of a window as they've had in previous years, but they've done it and they've done it numerous times. So I'm going with a, that they're going to get their feet underneath them. And all of a sudden, we're going to go, oh, there it is. What took so long? Ha <laughs> ha. Well, ah, you got enough points now. Great. Um, as far as the the other ones, I mean, the tuning out torts is an easy one. Uh, people want to use that all the time. I don't think they're necessarily tuning them out. Um, you know, it, it, it's a, I don't know. I, I have, I have different feelings about, uh, John Tortorella and, and where he is in his career and where he is uh, with this team and, and not so much where they are with him. I, I, I really don't, but um, yeah, I don't think they're tuning him out. I don't think it's that kind of frustration. I'm not saying it couldn't turn into that if, if they continue to struggle, but I, I just don't think it is right now. As far as the end for this group of players and massive trades coming soon, I, I don't see that being the case. So I'm taking a slow start, lots of wins, sneak in there. Uh, Coleman Groove on Twitter says, is the constant juggling of lines hurting team on ice chemistry? And why is Domi playing wing on the fourth? Because he hasn't played center well enough and he hasn't played wing well enough on any other line yet. And I'm going to tell you this, and I'll go back to Thursday and watch the Thursday game again. I thought he was really good with Riley Nash and Eric Robinson in that game. And the reason I thought he was good was because his job was to go straight ahead. I think Jody covered this on the inside edge too. You, know, you take, you, you make it simplistic, just go straight ahead, but he's struggling a lot at the center position with the defensive coverages and responsibilities. So Torts put him on the wing because he wanted to take some of that away, just let him play. And he would like to see more emotion out of his game. He's told me that how many times on interviews. And I think that's when he's at his best. 
You know, when he was in Montreal, Arizona is one thing, but saw him more in Montreal. When he was in Montreal, he was like in the middle of everything and you just hated it. Be like, ah, there's Domi again. Like, what's this guy? Just get out of his face. Just go play the game. And then he'd play the game and then he'd score. And then you're like, ah, I wish it stayed in his face. You know, that kind of thing. I haven't really seen that out of him so far with the Blue Jackets. And he needs to find that part of himself once again. And the juggling of lines is, look, I, you know, he's, he's kept them together decently the last couple of games. That's a double-edged sword with me for juggling of lines because, you know, you can put it in this form of a question, oh, is that destroying team chemistry? But then there's the flip side of it where sometimes you find combinations that work and you wouldn't have known had you not juggled the lines, which by the way, as I'm thinking here, Max Domi did end up playing between Atkinson and line a before the Saturday night game was over. I just want to point that out because Roslovic struggled. And so Max got an opportunity. Will that continue into tomorrow's game against Chicago? I don't know. I have no idea. I would say Roslovic will go back, but there are no guarantees. No guarantees in life, no guarantees with John Tortorella. So I don't I don't see the line juggling as a negative. I mean, hurting chemistry that the doesn't seem to be much right now. And he's trying to tweak it and figure out how to get some. So you can leave it, you can leave the lines alone and get no production, or you can mix them up and still get no production. At least you're trying something, right? So I, I don't think that the team chemistry thing, we've talked about this. Here's the problem with the team chemistry. My opinion, not just mine, other people too. You can't do anything together. You can't go to dinner. You can't go out, have a couple of beers. You just, it's taking, I think it's taking a longer time to get to know your new teammates because of what you can't do outside of practicing and playing the game itself. I really do. That that stuff comes into play. We are all human. They're hockey players. They are not robotic hockey players. They're not machines. They're people. If I'm Max Domi and I'm struggling, and I've had a bunch of line mates, and I'm trying to figure it out. Yeah, we talk at work, and that's fine. You know, I'm trying to figure it out in practice, trying to figure it out during the game. But maybe we just want to go out with uh, one guy or a couple of guys and and just get more relaxed and just have a conversation in a different atmosphere, different scenery, become more comfortable, maybe learn something in that conversation that I didn't know, and then take that back to work. Maybe I want to do that, but I can't because I'm not allowed. When I'm on the road, I'm allowed to go to the hotel. I'm allowed to go to the rink. When I'm at home, they don't want me to leave my house. They want me to stay in unless I'm at work. So all that stuff is gone, and that's tough. It's really tough. I don't think you understand how tough it is. And wherever you work, the people that you work with, maybe you don't like half of them. Maybe you like all of them. How do I know? But maybe you don't like half of them. Maybe you don't like any of them. 
And maybe you're saying, I don't want to spend any time with anybody I work with. I spend the time I have to. And when those eight hours are up, I'm done. Hockey players, professional athletes are not like that. They are not. They enjoy each other's company. Do you like everybody on a team? No. Are there guys that you would choose not to spend time around if you can? Yes, of course. But for the most part, it's a family. And that's why there's some people you don't want to spend time around because it's a family. We all have those people in our family. Maybe I am one of those people in my family. I don't know. Nobody would tell me, right? I have an idea. But anyway, my point is that that, is, that aspect is so important. And John Tortorella will tell you, well, every team's going through it. Sure, every team's going through it. Absolutely. But some teams, depending upon the personnel that they have and the, you know, the mental makeup of the personnel, what, I mean, what if you have, what if you've got people that just need to spend more time around people and they can't, and somebody else got a couple of players that they don't care how much time they spend around other players. And it's, it's a different mentality. Who knows? All I'm telling you is that is the biggest effect on team chemistry, much more so than line juggling. And the line juggling sometimes has to be done. How many times have we come up? We, I haven't. How many times has this team come up with combinations that you and I would have never thought of? I've had those conversations with Torts. I, I remember at least two occasions when I bring up this line and he would say, yeah, and you'd get on me for uh, mixing up the lines, but if I wouldn't have done that, we'd have never found that combination. Yeah, and he's right. He's right. I think he's tried. I just don't think that – I don't think that they have given him the opportunity to keep them together as much as he would like to. That's what I'm trying to say. So I hope that answers your question. I hope I've answered all of your questions today. And I hope that uh, the Blue Jackets – enjoyed the day off Sunday and they're ready to go back to work today and they're ready to play Chicago starting tomorrow two game series with the Chicago Blackhawks tomorrow night at seven o'clock at Nationwide Arena Thursday night at seven o'clock and that Thursday night game it's going to be a hockey is for everyone game that is presented by Voorhees that's coming up on Thursday and I would be remiss if I went through this entire show and didn't uh, go back to talking about fans being readmitted to the building. That's right. State of Ohio gave the uh, Blue Jackets permission to let fans back in starting on a game on March the 2nd against the Detroit Red Wings. And uh, that one is going to be uh, – that's going to be a special – it's going to be a special game, right? To have some people back in the building. Listen, here's the deal though. It's only going to be 1,953 people because it's only 10% of capacity is going to be allowed in the building. Okay. Now season ticket holders are going to get priority, but that doesn't mean that there's not going to be uh, tickets available. The, the uh, determination on the uh, public sale of tickets and how that's all going to work is still being talked about. Nothing has been finalized. Nothing is official on all of that. 
yet. So I want to let you know that. And uh, also want to let you know a couple other things here. Looking for my list. Looking for my list here because I, I had the questions up and now I've got to find the list. Should have been more proactive with that. There are also going to be protocols that you have to follow, okay? Uh, before you can come to Nationwide Arena, you have to complete an online check-in questionnaire to be cleared for entry to the building. Uh, face masks are required for everyone age two and up. That mask has to be worn at all times unless you are actively eating or drinking in your seats, okay? Uh, gators, bandanas, or masks with vents will not be permitted. The mask has to fully cover the nose and the mouth and fit securely under the chin. These are the protocols. These are the rules. If you want to come, you got to follow the rules. All the seats are going to be grouped into seating pods separated by a minimum distance of six feet. All the tickets are going to be distributed by digital and mobile means. You won't have a physical ticket. Okay. Um, purchases have to be made with a debit card or a credit card, not cash. And there will be reverse ATMs that will be installed within the arena. Bags are not permitted. You cannot bring in a bag. There are exceptions for medical bags, diaper bags. But for the most part, just don't bring a bag. Okay? That's a deal. And uh, I think that's that's about it. So if you want to uh, find out more, you want to find out more about uh, coming back to Nationwide Arena, bluejackets.com slash welcome back. You can get the information and uh, find out about all that stuff I just talked about. But again, getting people back in the building is clutch. It's going to be great. Um, you know, hopefully it starts with that 1953 and, and gets larger as things hopefully start to go back to normal and the, the uh, pandemic numbers continue to fall. Uh, but Hey, you got to start, oh, excuse me, you got to start somewhere. We're going to start there on March the 2nd. So again, I go to bluejackets.com and look for the information there about um, fans returning to Nationwide Arena. And I hope to see you there as soon as you can possibly get there. All right. In the meantime, thanks for being a part of this today. And don't forget the Blue Jackets at home tomorrow night, seven o'clock and Thursday night at seven o'clock. Hockey is for everyone night on Thursday presented by Voorhees. You can hear those games on the Blue Jackets radio network. I'll have them for you. It all starts with pregame coverage starting at 630. And in Columbus, you'll be able to catch the games on our flagship station, 97.1 The Fan. I think I have covered it all now. So again, thank you for your questions. You've made it another good Monday mailbag edition of CBJ and 30 presented by Tell Ohio Credit Union. And until next time, I'm Bob McElligot saying so long.